welcome to this week's edition of Brave and Hearts Heartbeat, where we bring you five insights from the world of tech, marketing, and work. Five insights, 10 minutes, and no waffle. This week, Amazon-led spenders use AI to make their products easier to sell, while Airbnb is using it to stop you throwing a New Year's Eve party. And the US continues to be divided on the remote work question. Plus, climate quitters make waves on LinkedIn and Unilever throw purpose-led marketing out the window. Last week, we talked about the AI tool Remini, which allows you to generate professional photos of yourself looking like you're hosting a TED Talk. Our conclusion was, fine, why not? Do what you've got to do to get yourself taken seriously on LinkedIn or on your CV. If you can't afford professional headshots, use AI to fake it until you make it. Amazon, introducing a similar feature which will allow sellers to jazz up the photos of items in their listings, doesn't quite sit as well with us, however. They're selling it as a great thing for Amazon sellers. They can easily make their images more attractive and hence sell more products. The example they use is of a toaster on a white background and then the same toaster on a pretty high-end looking kitchen counter with autumnal accents and decoration. Similarly to the fact that you look successful if you can afford to get headshots taken, if the company you're buying an item from has the budget to take high quality pictures, that is reassuring. It sends the signal that it's a legitimate business and so it should. It suggests that they're specialised enough in one area to know what they're doing, they've invested money into their setup and they've actually been in the room with the product. It exists. With Amazon's new feature, that becomes more difficult to decipher. If sellers can make their images look like they've been taken professionally, dropshipping just got a lot easier to do and a lot harder to spot. Dropshipping, if you don't know, is when a vendor sells something online, via Amazon or elsewhere, that they've never actually seen. The item is sent directly from the warehouse where it's mass produced to your door with no middleman. The vendor, the person writing the listing, doesn't know if the item is any good and nor do they care. As long as they sell enough, they make a profit. And if they get too many returns or too many bad reviews, they shut down the business or they shut down the listing on Amazon and make another one. It's a numbers game. And with Amazon's new tools, the rules of the game just got a lot more lenient. Back to the office, it's a war zone out there. Big names in the US work scene have made a lot of headlines recently by speaking out against remote work. Elon Musk went on an unprovoked rant about working from home the other week when asked about the price of Teslas, calling it morally wrong and delusional approach to work. Zoom famously aren't into it anymore despite helping everyone else do it, and the latest person to bash the work from home crowd is Martha Stewart. 81-year-old ex-con Martha Stewart boomed pretty hard when she asked if America should go down the drain just because people don't want to go back to work. Obviously, as she spent most of her life in an era without laptops, she doesn't understand that nowadays corporate work can be done, well, on your lap. But we digress. Going against the grain, the almost equally elderly Shark Tank judge, that's the US version of Dragon's Den, recently spoke out against Martha Stewart in support of remote working, and he made a pretty interesting point. Kevin O'Leary, technology software company founder, already, we know he knows about laptops, and judge on the aforementioned Shark Tank TV show, insisted that companies will not be able to hire the best talent if they rule out remote working completely, noting that the corporate economy has radically changed in the last few years, but also pointing out the way city life has changed. Talking about increased crime in cities like San Francisco, equally famous for being the tech office capital of the US and one of the meth and opioid capitals of the US, he 
He's quoted as saying, nobody wants to work in these places. They're war zones. And from what we've heard about the city, where the real estate market is currently in freefall thanks to the drugs epidemic, he doesn't seem to be far wrong. If you're an experienced tech worker who climbed the corporate ladder in the city of San Francisco, which may be the case for a lot of people, since the Bay Area has the largest concentration of high-tech companies in the US, you may well be reaching an age where you no longer want to live near bars and coffee shops so badly that you'll risk getting on the bad side of a meth head. To catch this talent, companies will have to stay up to date with the changing market, and listening to Martha Stewart, who also insists her employees should be available for calls on the weekends, isn't the way to do that. AI doesn't want you to party. Well, Airbnb doesn't, anyway. Parties have always been a problem for Airbnb hosts. Holding a party in your own home is risky enough. A bunch of strangers doing it while you're not there to put coasters down is enough to give you nightmares. But since COVID, the problem has actually gotten worse. During lockdown, while bars and clubs were closed, young people turned to Airbnb to host group celebrations, with lots of alcohol and no cleaners. Airbnb fought back, announcing a global party ban and saying they would do everything they could to prevent them in their listings, including banning offenders from booking again and restrictions for users under 25 who didn't have great reviews to back them up. This brought the number of parties down by 55%, and Airbnb are hoping that an AI-powered software will do the rest. The software works by looking for red flags in your profile and your request. Such red flags include how recently you created your account, whether you're trying to rent a listing in the same town or city that you live in, and the duration of your stay. For example, someone who has created an account that day to book a spacious apartment in their own city on New Year's Eve, they're setting off the party alarm. If the AI thinks the party risk is too high, they'll prevent the booking or send the person to the site of one of their partner hotel companies. AI is famously not perfect, so some perfectly innocent youngsters will probably get their booking rejected. As a customer, you might be a bit peeved, but Naba Banerjee, the head of safety and trust at Airbnb, wants the people renting out their homes on the platform to be as reassured as possible. It's a two-way street. Airbnb need customers to stay in their listings, but they also need homeowners to list their homes for rent on their platform, just as much, if not more. Climate quitters. Forget quiet quitting. Climate quitting is here and it's turned up to full volume, especially on LinkedIn. A former employee at one of Shell's subsidiaries swiftly quit his fulfilling job of 11 years with no other issues following their announcement of a strategy which abandoned their climate promises. He shared on LinkedIn that he didn't want to be a part of a company which prioritised short-term profit over social and environmental responsibilities. An established safety consultant at Shell also walked off the job after a decade at work over their disregard for climate change risks. She posted a resignation video on LinkedIn that got over 17,000 reactions and nearly 2,000 reposts. These two examples are part of a wider trend, surprising in that it doesn't only apply to the younger generation. Of 4,000 workers surveyed in the UK and the US, two-thirds of people were anxious about climate change and would like their employers to take a stronger stance, and 50% were actually willing to leave if their ethics on the subject didn't align. While that figure does increase for Gen Z, they're clearly not the only ones willing to live by their values, as proved by LinkedIn. While public quitting on LinkedIn is obviously a PR nightmare for brands like Shell, 
It can also be seen as a powerful form of lobbying. Experts believe that public climate quitting can make problematic companies move faster in bringing their policies up to date. And for companies who don't want to play the game when it comes to climate commitments, the talent pool is only going to get smaller. With experienced employees willing to quit and the generation entering the workforce more than willing to boycott companies with a bad rep, the best talent is drifting further and further out of reach. Should all brands stand for something? On the opposite end of the spectrum, this week the drum are asking, do all brands really need to stand for something? The replacement of Unilever's CEO, we're not going to bother giving you their names, we know you don't care, we don't care either, signals a move from purpose-led marketing to a focus on profits. Unilever's previous approach from 2019 to now set the tone for marketing in which all products had to align with consumer values, including mayonnaise and stock cubes. Any brand that took a value-led approach to their marketing strategy would have higher sales and more customer loyalty, apparently. Shareholders didn't agree, however, describing it as useless virtue signaling, with one going so far as to say that any company which feels it has to define the purpose of Hellman's mayonnaise has, in our view, clearly lost the plot. Fair enough. Not to mention they think the previous strategy was losing them money. Unilever's new CEO has decreed that a social mission simply isn't necessary for all products, and for some he even thinks it's an unwelcome distraction. Certainly, if Unilever really cared about the environment, they'd probably close up shop altogether and stop cluttering up our cupboards with a hundred different types of shower gel. Until then, in terms of profit, the less we think about the environment when we're picking their plastic up off the shelves, the better. In this week's bonus, we're talking about the news that Tinder have introduced a new function where you can actually ask for opinions on your matches from your family and friends through the app. We're not really sure what the point of making this an in-app option is, however, other than to get Tinder in the news. If that was the idea, it worked. We're talking about it, the BBC are talking about it, and anyone looking for a date is probably downloading it. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week for more 5 in 5 news from the world of tech, marketing and work in next week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on LinkedIn or check out our website at bravenheart.com.